Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So uh, we've been doing a sermon series for the last three weeks called A Tree, A Mountain and A House. And the idea behind the series is that Abraham was called out of the land where he lived with his parents and, and his family. And God said, leave there and go to a place that I will show you. Abraham was slow in the process. It took him several years and he didn't obey immediately, but he got there in the end. And in Genesis 12 verse 6, it talks about Abraham arriving at a place called Shechem in the promised land. There were two big mountains and a major big tree, an oak tree or a terebinth tree in the middle and he set up his his home there he built a house next to a mountain and a tree and god said this is it this is the promised land this is the place that i've given you and i will give to your descendants he built an altar a little bit later in verse 8 he moved on to another place near bethel and again there was a big mountain and genesis 35 i think it's verse 8 says there was a tree there as well so we know that both times when he moved in the promised land it was a mountain and a tree and god's blessing was there and the idea behind this sermon series is not difficult or complicated it's this if you are trying to find the place that god wants you the place where his blessings, the place where his provision, his abundant, his promised land for you. If you're trying to find that, sometimes we run around looking for guidance and saying, God, where should I be? What job? What person should I be with? How should I be doing these decisions? The, the idea behind this series is if, if you will get the big issues in your life in place, the tree and the mountain, if you'll build your house next to a tree, and we spoke last week about what a tree represents. And this week we're talking about a mountain. If you will build your life next to a tree and a mountain, God's tree and God's mountain, all the other decisions actually fall into place quite easily. If I, if I get the right big blocks in place, the rest is quite simple and easy to organize. That's the idea behind the series. And we're closing it out today. I'm going to be talking about a mountain uh, today. I wonder if anyone here has ever climbed a big mountain. I know James has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Has anyone else? Who's that? Ali, what have you climbed? Kilimanjaro. Andy? Snowden. Snowden. That's big. Ben Nevis? Ben Nevis? Kilimanjaro. A mountain represents something that's a challenge, that's large, that's bigger than me, that I look at and I say, oh my, how am I going to do this? I need to prepare, I need to think about it, I need to count the cost, I need to give myself some time to be ready. And I say, in three months time, I'm going to climb that mountain, so I'm going to start exercising, walking every day. I know Kathleen went um, up Machu Picchu recently, and she was walking for months beforehand. You've got, to, you've got to be ready. You've got to prepare and discipline yourself. There's a price, a cost to be paid as far as effort and time. And it's bigger than us. And it's a challenge. And why do we do it? We say, I want to try and overcome this challenge. I want to say, I've done it. And then you get to the top and you say, wow, look at me. And we take a little selfie photo. We say, look, I'm there. I've, I've arrived. I've reached it. And the idea that I'm trying to get across to you today is that God wants you as a Christian to have a mountain in your life. It's not enough just to 
make your life in a nice little cozy place with a nice tree. You know, a tree is rooted, and that's what we talked about. A tree has fruit, which is life, and a tree gives you shelter and protection from the elements and from danger. That's what rooted in a tree means. But many Christians are rooted by a tree, but they don't have a mountain, they don't have a challenge in their lives that is so big that it drives them to Jesus every day and makes them say, Lord Jesus, if you don't help me achieve this challenge, I cannot do it my, on my own. And I'm sure you'll agree with me that modern culture pushes us to look for comfort, doesn't it? If I can just be comfortable, if I can just organize my life so that everything's nice as I want it, pleasant, the right furnishings, the right lighting in my life, the right provision and protection, the right insurance policies, the right people around me that I'm happy with, the right job where I'm comfortable, everything's got to be comfortable. And then the lie that the world tells us is then you'll be happy. I want to tell you, if you don't have a mountain in your life, if you don't have a mission that you are trying to achieve that's bigger than you and that's given by God, you will never be happy. <laughs> is that true? I think it's true. I really do. You know, I watched a documentary about Komodo dragons. They're these big lizards that live in Indonesia. And they're these scary looking, they look like dragons, they, they're horrible looking beasts, but they're designed with their fangs and their saliva that's got poison in it and their claws, they're designed to hunt and to, and to catch their prey. And they were living in this, in this nature reserve where they're, they're quite an endangered species. So the, the humans who were looking after them were trying to make life as easy for them as possible. We don't want them to die. Ooh, look after the Komodo dragons. Make sure they've got a nice piece of meat that's just nicely cut and it's just what they need and we'll just drop it next to their mouth every day so they don't have to run around and look for it and we'll make life easy for them. They've just got a lovely easy life and they started dying. Why? Because they have built in them a desire and a need to hunt and to kill and if they are not doing that, what happens is they either die or they start hunting and killing each other. Friends, Christians, we are designed to have a mission from God. You know, when Adam was planted, put in the Garden of Eden, he didn't have just a mountain and a tree. He had a mission in his life that he had to achieve. God said to him, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over everything in the world. God's plan was for the Garden of Eden, for Adam and Eve to spread the Garden of Eden around the planet. God said to him, Tend and keep this garden, which means a job, a mission, but then extend it. Go from this mountain, Mount Eden. Eden was a mountain because we know that four rivers flowed from it. So it was a high place in Ezekiel. I think it's chapter 28. It talks about uh, Satan being on the mountain of the Lord in the garden of the Lord. It talks about him. So we know that Eden was on a mountain and God said to Adam and Eve, take what you've got here, this beautiful garden, this beautiful tree of life, spread it, take the seeds of the tree of life, fill the earth, subdue it, overcome it, and extend the Garden of Eden. Then they messed it up, and so quite a few years later, Noah, God started again with Noah. He flooded the earth, and Noah gets in a boat with his seven other family members, and they float around, and eventually, after 150 days, they come to rest on a mountain, but it's still too wet for them to get out. About a year after they got into the boat, they get out of the boat 
on a mountain and there's an olive tree. Remember he sent out a dove and it came back with an olive branch. There's a tree and a mountain. And God says to Noah the same thing. Now fill the earth, subdue it, go and do this mission. You can imagine Noah and his wife, Mrs. Noah, and Shem, Ham, and Japhet, and Mrs. Shem, Mrs. Ham, Mrs. Japhet, saying, oh, what a mission. How are we going to fill the earth and subdue it? I was watching a, a, a documentary recently, a non-Christian documentary, and they were saying in, in their um, studies of the human race, there was a time when the human race, they call it a bottleneck. It came down to just a few individuals. And then they expanded again and filled the whole earth. And they've done genetic studies. And it's the story of Noah. Noah and his family had to fill the earth and subdue it with what they had from God. The righteousness, the peace, the joy they had from God. God wants us as Christians to have a mission that's so big that it gets us up every day with a, a bit of uh, intrepidation. We're like, oh, can I do this? But also excitement. I can do this with the Lord. Do you have that? Or are you just living in the tree? Or maybe you don't even have a tree. I want to tell you today that you can have the tree. You can be rooted and planted in a family with the Lord. But you can have a mission. And this church, Lighthouse, is designed big time with a mission involved. We really feel that God has put us here to be a lighthouse to the nations. Annie was telling me they were, had a prayer meeting. And God gave them a prophecy, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, that Jersey was going to be a lighthouse to the nations. And then God calls me and my family here from Africa, and he gives us the same word. And we suddenly realize it's a mountain that God has given us. And we look at it and we say, God, how can we do this? He says, now you're in the right place. When you've got a picture of how big the mountain is, but you say, God, we need you help us. Then he says, now I can use you. Do you have a mission? Do you have something in your life that is so big that it drives you to your knees? And you say, help me God, but it also excites and invigorates you. And you say, yes, Lord. Can I read you a quote from George Bernard Shaw? He said, this is the true joy in life. Being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one. Being a force of nature Instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. That's the joy in life. The world will tell you joy in life is be comfortable and cushy. Relax. Do nothing. That's happiness. I want to tell you that's not happiness. Happiness is finding a mountain from the Lord. And then you do it together with other Christians. Wow, there's no greater joy. You know, some of the, the best joys in my life have been being part of a worship band, a musical band, a musical group, because there's a team of you, you're working together, each has different skills. Somebody's good on the guitar, somebody else is a singer, somebody's an organizer and a leader, somebody's a pianist or whatever. And you work together and you make beautiful music, but it's for a purpose to lead people closer to Jesus. And that camaraderie and that team spirit is just the most wonderful thing and then i realized that's the same team spirit we can have when we're trying to plant churches and so several times in my life i've got together with a small group of people and we say guys let's give ourselves to this mission together together we covenant to each other and to god and to this mission we're going to devote ourselves together as a team 
to achieve something great for the Lord. And those are the most fulfilling and wonderful experiences I've ever had in my life. And unfortunately, many Christians attend church for 30, 40, 50 years and never, ever have the sense of we're a team trying to achieve something so big that we could never do it without the Lord. People come to church and they think it's about comfort. They think it's about me. You have, you have statements like this. People say, how was the worship today? Oh, it was okay. It was nice. How was the sermon? Oh, it was okay. It blessed me a bit. How, how's your church? Oh, that's all right. I prefer it if it was a bit like this. And what's crept in is this idea that church is about comfort and about me and my needs. And we're like Komodo dragons, where if we don't have a mission, we start dying and we start turning on each other and killing each other. And I've seen it in churches. When a church doesn't have a mission, where they say we're reaching out to the world and we're reaching people for God, what, what happens is that instinct that's already in us as Christians to fight and to overcome, we turn it on each other and we say, that lady who leads worship, I hate her, hair, her hairstyle and I hate the way she sings. And that man who leads that meeting, I hate his thing. And what's happened is that aggression that's supposed to be focused to the mission out there, we put on each other. And churches become unhealthy, backbiting political places. Why? Simply because they've got a tree, but they've got no mountain. Right. What is the mountain? Psalm 15, verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Psalm 24, verse 3. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Uh, Psalm 24. I lift up my eyes. Sorry, Psalm 122. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Our mountain is the mountain of the Lord. There's this theme that goes through the whole Bible where it talks about the mountain of the Lord. And at first it was Eden, then it was Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, uh, Mount Zion, and then at the end it's heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem on Mount Zion. But it's the mountain of the Lord is the place of God's presence, heaven. In Eden, heaven was on earth. It was supposed to be on earth. Heaven, the blessing of God, the mountain of the Lord was supposed to be on earth. We lost it through sin, but the mountain of the Lord is still this, to bring heaven to earth. That is still the mission that we have. And so the first step is I've got to say for myself as an individual, and you may be here visiting today, you may be not a churchgoer normally, you may be saying, what's this all about? The first step that you have to get right is you have to say, Lord, am I going to heaven when I die? That's the, mountain, that's the first mountain of the Lord. You have to say, Lord, am I getting to heaven when I die? And many people think I have to be religious, I have to be good, I have to obey the Ten Commandments, I have to give, I have to pray, I have to attend. Then I might be good enough to get there. The Bible says you can never be good enough. Jesus came down from the top of the mountain in a helicopter to earth, lived with us, died on our behalf. And he, if you believe in him, you get in that helicopter and he takes you straight to the top. That's the good news. That's the gospel, is that you can be saved. You can get to heaven when you die. And here, you can experience heaven if you will just believe in Jesus and say, Lord, I believe you died for me. Thank you. And you get in that helicopter with Jesus and with a whole lot of other Christians. And we experience the joy of climbing the mountain here on earth, knowing that we're destined for the top, not because we're good, but because Jesus has done it for us. So the first step is, are you going to heaven yourself? 
The second part of this mountain is experiencing heaven on a daily basis. And I want you to just follow with me now as I just tell you a story about Jesus in his life here on earth. The Bible says he withdrew often to solitary places to pray. And we know from many, many stories in the Gospels that those solitary places were most often the tops of mountains. Jesus would go to the tops of mountains and he would pray. So there's a story in, uh, let me just tell you a couple of them. Mark chapter 6. Jesus has heard that his cousin John the Baptist has been beheaded and he's very sad about it. It says he withdrew with his disciples to a solitary place. But then the crowds followed him and he fed 5,000 men and another whole lot of women and children. But then at the end of that day, busy day, he's sad about John the Baptist. What does he do? He puts his disciples in a boat and he goes up on a mountain to pray. Why? Because he was getting comfort and strength from God. He was getting the power of heaven in his life while he was living here on earth. He was getting wisdom and strength, uh, power from God, comfort and the ability to overcome hardship. Another example, Luke chapter 6. Now it came to pass, verse 12, in those days that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, continued all night in prayer to God, and when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12 whom he named apostles. You see, he went up to the, to the mountain to be with God, to get heaven's wisdom to know which 12 should I choose. Matthew, he's a tax collector. I don't think I should choose him. Peter, he's so obnoxious. I don't think he's a good man. Uh, you know, all these different ones. John, he's, he's a bit weird. James, should I choose him? God told him on the mountain when he was experiencing heaven, those are the 12 you should choose. So the second part of this mountain, the first is make sure you're going to heaven. The second part of the mountain is experience God on the mountain on a daily basis, like Jesus did. Go up on the mountain, pray, worship. I put a little sign up in the prayer room. Just by the way, we have pre-service prayer. Before the service on a Sunday morning, at about 9.30, I go and I start praying. If you go down the little corridor, just as you come in the foyer on the, on the right, there's a little corridor, it leads to a little room, and we have prayer there from about 9.30 till 10.30. Uh, Tillman is leading that, but you're welcome to come and pray before the service. But I put up a little schedule there this morning, and I said, guidelines for prayer, P-A-T, Pat. Pat will be pleased about this. Praise, affirm scripture, speak in tongues, P-A-T. That's the way that I pray, because all the other stuff comes out of it. I don't know what I should be praying for, but I go up like Jesus on the mountain. I praise God. I affirm scripture. I say, thank you, Lord, that you are good, that your mercy endures forever, that you're with us. You'll never forsake us. I just affirm scripture, and I speak in tongues, and everything else follows from that. I find that then I'm able to have that kind of experience in prayer that Jesus had on the mountain. So number one, make sure you, you're a Christian. You're going to heaven. That's the first thing of the mountain. The mountain is heaven. Make sure you're getting there. Number two, experience heaven on the mountain on a daily basis like Jesus did. Just one more story about Jesus. Matthew 17 verse 1, it says, uh, Jesus went up on a mountain and he took with him Peter, James and John and he prayed and he was transfigured. His face shone as bright as the sun 
And Moses and Elijah appeared and they started talking with him about his crucifixion and about things that were going on. And Peter was amazed. He said, Lord, should we build a tabernacle, a tent for you guys? And God boomed out of the cloud that was on the mountain and said, this Jesus is my beloved son. Listen to him. There was power that happened. What was it? Every time Jesus went on a mountain to pray, heaven was put into his life and he was put into heaven that's what you and i can have on a daily basis we can experience heaven when we go up the mountain what does that mean it means i discipline myself i get up a bit early i go for a walk and i exclude myself from daily activities i i quieten myself i cut myself off and i say i am i want to climb this mountain i'm going to spend time in prayer and worship P-A-T, praise, affirm scripture, speak in tongues, every day so that I can get heaven into my life. You say, that sounds a bit like hard work. It sounds like discipline. Yes, climbing a mountain is a bit of discipline. Amen? So that's the second part of climbing the mountain. But then the third part, the third part of climbing the mountain is this great mission that Jesus has given us. So... Let me read to you, Matthew 28. You know, we're very familiar with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I'm going to read it to you from two verses before that. And you're going to see something here. Just let me remind you, Adam and Eve on a mountain with a tree of life and the rivers flowing out, God says to them, go into all the world and subdue it and have dominion over it. Extend this life to the whole world. Do you remember that? Noah on Mount Ararat with an olive tree next to him. God says, go and fill the earth and subdue it. Jesus, well, let me just read this to you. Verse 16 of Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus spoke to them and saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He could just as well have said, fill the earth and subdue it. All authority has been given to me. Go have dominion over the whole earth. Go fill the earth. From this mountain, Jesus calls the disciples to a mountain, a special place. He says, go, meet me on the mountain. And then he says, go and fill the earth. Exactly as God had said to Adam, as God had said to Noah, God says to the disciples and to us, go and fill the earth. I don't know about you, but that is, that is amazing. Suddenly I see the big picture of what the whole of the Bible is about and what Christianity is about. It's not about a lovely little cushy time with me and God and goosebumpy services. It's about me taking this life that God has given us and sharing it with the whole world. And if I don't have that, I've missed the whole point of Christianity. And how many thousands of churches around the world have missed the point? They're not thinking about the world, the nations. They say things like, oh, I hope our church doesn't grow too big. What? What about those people dying out there going to hell? We've lost the plot if we think it's just about me and my comfort. And does the worship bless me? Does this church bless me? Are my needs being met? Rubbish. It's not about me. It's about them. 
Jesus said to his disciples, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends because I've told you what I'm all about. We're his friends when we're part of his mission. And then he said in John 20, that was John 15, 15. Then in John 20, he said, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Just as Jesus was sent to bring life from heaven to earth, Jesus sends us, he sends us into the world, to places that we're not comfortable with, to talk to people we're not familiar with, to cross cultural lines, to cross country lines, to to do things that don't come naturally to us, to reach the world. That's our mission. And if we don't have that mountain, this church will die. It may still meet. We may have a tree. We may be planted together. But if we don't have a mountain, I promise you this church will shrink and it will become like that lighthouse that's on the the coast, but it no longer looks out for crashing ships. It's now just a tea party for for the staff of the lighthouse. And that's just a tragedy. I don't want to be part of that kind of a church anymore. I want to be part of something where there's a mission as big as Mount Everest. And we say, without the Lord, we cannot do this. We need money, we need people, we need opportunities, we need resources, we need help from the Lord to be able to reach out. And so that's why we have Alpha, that's why we have days where we invite the community, and that's why we have life groups where we meet and we invite our friends. That's why we we want people to come, and when people come to church, it's not a question of, oh, we're the Christians, who are you? No, you, those visitors are why we exist. Welcome, come in, we love you. We are the, one of the most welcoming churches and I love you guys. You guys are so amazing because that's what it's all about. We're willing to sacrifice and compromise on our own comfort so that others can reach the Lord. That's what it's all about. Willing to sacrifice our money. You know, most churches' offerings are given in, and then they decide what needs to be done in, around our church and let's fix a wall or Our offering, more than half of what you guys give, goes to reaching the the nations, to helping people who we may never meet. That's what church is about. That's it. If we lose that, we've lost the whole meaning of what the Bible says, but also what I believe our church is for. And I'm just so grateful that this church has got it. Right from the beginning, right from day one, Brenda's here today. Brenda was there at the first meeting we ever had. She and Bronnie and one other lady and I sat on a little park bench at the Bridge Centre up in St. Saviour there. And we talked about getting a church going to reach the lost. That's why we exist. It's not for our own blessing. It's not for our own edification. Although that comes along, that's a side effect. We get blessed as we do what the Lord wants. But it's for them. Amen? So can I challenge you, my brother or sister? What are you living for? What are you living for? What's your mission? What's your mountain? Have you bought into the silly lie that says comfort is the aim and the goal of your life? And if you have, just chuck that off and say, God, I need a a mountain. (laughs) I need something to focus on. I want to get focused on something bigger than me with a crowd of people and together we're going to do this. We're going to achieve this mountain. Jesus said, if you do this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't that wonderful? He is with us. So, thank you. 
very much you guys. I mean, mostly up until now, it's basically been giving of money. We've used the money that people have given to set up studios and equipment to put videos together. Visit leadinglightsnetwork.com. You'll see what we've done. I mean, it's an awesome site. We got four new people registered this week. Scotland, uh, various other places. People are registering with the site. We're wanting to go on TV and get the word out more. Not because we want to be famous. We want God to be famous. We want people to find Jesus. I honestly don't care if nobody ever knows who I am, but I want people who are going to hell to find Jesus. That's it. Amen. That's what it's all about. So thank you. Your money has been so uh, useful and, and helpful in that. So thank you. We've also we, um, we've got all the equipment we need. We're doing some software changes. We're doing some TV stuff. But then also we're going to start perhaps trying to visit groups as they spring up around the world we want to try and visit them Jamie and Karina tried to visit somebody in Florida but she didn't she couldn't organize it the lady on the other side but we want to just try and start to visit people and help them so they could easily come a time Tillman's been asked to go to uh, England to train some people so there's going to come a time where we get asked to go and who knows and then prayer is so important we if you're willing to pray we get prayer requests coming in by email regularly now from all these groups around the world. If you're willing to pray, let me know. We'll put your name on an email list and we'll send out those prayer requests. We have prayer meetings at various times in the week, Monday nights, Sunday mornings here. There's various other times. Pray, pray, pray. We pray for the nations. That's so important. And we pray for those groups and those, those little new believers to grow strong in the Lord. We visit, we give our money. And we trust the Lord. It's a big mountain. I, I'll be honest with you. We cannot do this in our own strength. It's so big. It's bigger than our lifetimes. And it's bigger than our resources. It has to be the Lord. When you think about how are we are going to reach the world for Jesus. But together we're going to try. Amen. We're going to do it. So would you stand with me. Let's stand together. If I can ask the worship team to come up. Thank you, God. Let's just pray. Just focus on the Lord. Just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've saved me. Thank you, God, that you've brought me into this relationship with you. Thank you that I have the blessing of eternal life. But Lord, today I want to refocus my life and say, God, what is the mission that I'm living for? Do I have a mission that's bigger than me, that I'm in partnership with other people trying to achieve? And is it the main mission? Is it the main mountain in my life? Or maybe family, or maybe comfort, or maybe job, or something else is the main mountain in my life. Lord, today, I want to make your mission my mission. I want, to, I want to climb the same mountain as you, Lord God. I want to do what you're doing in the earth. I don't want to do my own thing anymore. Lord, I, I, I know many of us have been to churches where this is not a priority. And I'm just challenging you today. If you come to this church, this is our priority. The mission of God is our priority. Lord, I focus on your mission. I, I chuck out all that other wrong thinking that I've picked up over the years where it's all about me. Lord, I, I choose to focus on you and what you're doing in the earth. Lord, I want to be, be in heaven with you. I want to experience heaven on a daily basis in prayer with you. But Lord, I also want to be part of reaching the nations and my community in Jersey 
with your gospel. I want to make that my main purpose for why I'm alive. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I choose to change my thinking, to change some practical issues in my life, and to realign my life with what you're doing in planet Earth. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. And Lord, I thank you so much for this body of believers. They are amazing. They are generous. They look outwards. They are willing to compromise and put up with things in order to reach the lost. They are amazing. And I bless them. And I pray you would bless and empower them to do it more and more. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful church that you've established in Jersey. I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to shine brightly to the ends of the earth. For your glory, Lord Jesus, not for ours, for you, that your name would be great. Thank you, Lord God. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.